FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 821. You're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro, your good neighbor station since 1947. Well, on the first half of this program this morning, we're going to talk to a man who, well, he was involved in saving the life of another. Not only him, but also the Rutherford County Sheriff's deputy who actually went into a burning home to save the life of a man inside, a man he's never met before. And another neighbor came to their aid as well. The fire happened on Wednesday, again on Double Springs Road in Murfreesboro. In this day and age, it seems like all too often, people drive past cars that have been wrecked when police have yet to arrive and don't call 911 thinking somebody else already did, or even a home on fire. Folks will drive past the house, again thinking somebody already called 911 and helps likely on the way, again never stopping to help by simply pulling over and dialing the emergency dispatch number. But this story is about somebody who did go the extra mile and went as far as seeing if anybody was inside a house that was on fire on Double Springs Road. The fire took place on Wednesday evening in Murfreesboro. David Herod just got home from work Wednesday evening when he noticed smoke coming from a home on Double Springs Road in Murfreesboro. I was on the way home. I looked down the road before I was pulling in the driveway and I could see smoke. I was thinking, yeah, that's a lot of smoke for somebody to be barbecuing. He could see the smoke all the way from his house. His driveway is around the corner and down the street. At first, thinking it was everything from a bonfire to even a barbecue, he had the feeling that something wasn't right. I drove down there and I pulled up in front of the fellow's house. It was around 5.30 in the evening, and Herod realized the smoke was coming from the inside of a house. There's smoke billowing, just billowing out of the soffits. At this point, some of the windows had done busted, and it's just, it was enveloped with smoke. Herod's wife called 911. My wife had told her, I said, you call 911. 911, what is that? She told dispatchers about the home fire on Double Springs Road. Inside the house was a wheelchair-bound resident, Larry Adams. The fellow's first name is Larry. He's lived there for a long time. Herod said he knew the guy who lived there because Herod had lived there for years, and so did the resident. I grew up on that street. Even though the resident may not recall who David is, David knows of him simply because he grew up in the area. He probably don't know who I am, but I remember who he is from you know, a long time ago. Herod, who was the first person on the scene, jumped out of his truck and headed towards the front door of the house. I run up to the front door. Uh, I can hear the dogs barking inside. I look over into the driveway, and I see the gentleman's truck, so I'm pretty sure he's home. I believe him to be in a wheelchair. He has a wheelchair ramp that leads up to his front door. He then tried to see if anyone was inside. I'm hollering, hello, anybody home? I'm like, holler, holler, anybody home? I don't hear anybody inside. I, about that time, the first responding deputy pulled up. He runs up. He asks me, is this my house? I tell him no. I was on my way home, and I see this house is on fire. I'll stop to see if anybody needs help. The first emergency responder was a Rutherford County Sheriff's deputy who pulled up to the home. Deputy, he 
runs up, he shoulder tackles the door, knocks the door open. Deputy pulls out his flashlight, he hits, lands on his hands and knees, and he starts crawling into the house. There's no way, you can't see in front of you, there's nothing, it's just pitch black. He got his flashlight out, he hit his hands and knees, got real low, he's hollering, he's hollering. Is anybody here, make the noise, is anybody here, make the noise. About that time, he's about halfway into the front door, and I hear over the radio, his radio comes on and said, there's a gentleman in the back bedroom, he's in a wheelchair, he's trapped. A neighbor about four houses down then showed up to assist. About that time, I see uh, a neighbor who was named Ronnie Christian. He come uh, running behind the house to help, and then they locate the gentleman in the back bedroom. The second and third deputy then pulled up just in time to help pull the resident out from the home through a window. About two more deputies show up at this time. They uh, get a hold of him, and they uh, get him out the window. Lonnie Christian told us. Yeah, I hit him, pulled him out the window, and uh, we put him on the ground. He was talking. Herod said that everything happened so fast. About two and a half minutes, three minutes. Yeah, it was it was quick. <laughs> Once out of the burning home, Christian told us that Mr. Adams was worried about his dog. The only thing he kept saying was, where's my dog? Where's my dog? Well, the dog's alive. Dog was good. Herod said the first deputy on the scene set that tone for saving a life. The first initial deputy, he was the one. Without him, man, uh, it, it could have went either way. But those other two deputies, they, they all, everybody jumped into it. After the victim was safely out of the house, thanks to the hard work of that brave deputy who went into the house to find the victim, and of course the help of the other arriving deputies, along with neighbors David Harrod and Lonnie Christian, who all helped in lifting the man out of that window and then putting him on the ground to make sure he was okay. Herod said he heard all the sirens nearing. I could hear the sirens. The first fire truck that showed up out there was from the Kitchell Volunteer Fire Department. While the exact cause of that fire has not been released, Christian, who was there on the scene, told WGNS News. It looked like it was started in the kitchen and it was coming out the back. But if it wasn't for that first Rutherford County Sheriff's deputy who pulled up to the scene and boldly went inside the burning house in search of the resident then that resident would not have made it out of the house. Because uh, that, that guy, just, you know, really, really good work. WGNS contacted the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office last night to confirm the name of that first arriving deputy on the scene. They're going to update us today as to who that was. But for now, his actions serve and represent one of the many law enforcement officers we have in our community who are always willing to put their life on the line to save others. We'll update this new story as soon as we confirm that deputy's name, who bravely went inside that burning house to save a resident on Double Springs Road. Again, we'll release that deputy's name as soon as the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department confirms it, and you'll be the first to know. And if you ever drive past a house that's on fire and nobody's there yet to help, Herod says, make sure you do the right thing and stop. You see somebody's house on fire, just do something. You have to look out for each other. I would hope if it was my mother's house that was on fire, I would hope somebody would stop and try, at least try. Again, that was David Harrod telling us about the fire that happened on Double Springs Road on Wednesday. Happened Wednesday evening around 5.30. And the other person in that interview, Lonnie Christian, the neighbor down the street, just four houses down from where Mr. Adams lives. And Mr. Adams' house is the one that caught fire on Wednesday. Once more, we will update this story as soon as we get the name confirmed of those Rutherford County Sheriff's deputies 
and that first deputy who was on the scene who actually went inside the house. We'll update you as soon as we confirm his name from the sheriff's office. At time right now, 829. We have more news and information coming up next. We're broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric and their great foundation of sharing change is always helping others. You can learn more at sharingchange.org. This is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak. Where my wife will end up getting her salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell from Music World and Drummer's Den. We offer a good assortment of everything. We have new guitars, Gill, Seagull, Godin, lots of brands, vintage guitars. We have everything you need, keyboards, drums, every instrument you can think of. We would welcome you to come in and look around, see what you can find that you have to have. Music World and Drummer's Den is located at 2762 South Church Street, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. They have wonderful people who work here. Terry Deal, who was over in Independent. Terry was out there with her two little girls picking up limbs, and I thought, that's not part of her job. She's over. But she, that's the way she is. And that's what I found that so many of the people who work here, they go above and beyond of what their job is. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. CBS News Brief. There's been a second attack on a coalition base in northeastern Syria after a drone attack that killed an American contractor there. Correspondent David Martin. Lots of rockets, in the words of one official, although there are no initial reports of American casualties. U.S. launched retaliatory strikes. Pentagon said that deadly drone was of Iranian origin. Reviews are in on TikTok CEO show Chu's appearance on Capitol Hill. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr tells CBS. Testified before that same committee many times sat in that same chair and I've never seen anything like that. Uh, really, the day could not have gone any worse for TikTok. Change of plans for King Charles. CBS's Elaine Cobb. Britain's King Charles had been set to come to France for his first state visit since taking the throne, but France's presidency has announced the visit has been postponed after labor unions announced a new day of action next Tuesday. CBS's Elaine Cobb reporting from Paris. CBS News Brief. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
This morning, we're talking with David Jacobs with the Happy Book Stack right here in Murfreesboro. And the last time we sat down to talk was actually last year, and you guys were just opening, and you had a lot going on. But since that time, you've already grown a lot. Yeah, we definitely have. Uh, we have about 300 to 500 customers every week. And we first opened, we were only open Thursday to Sunday. Now we're open Tuesday through Sunday. We're looking on adding the seventh day. Uh, it's been a great expansion. It's been a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And we love meeting everyone that we've met so far in the community. And kind of bring us up to date, because when we first talked, how many books did you have at that time? And how many books do you have today? And how many new books coming in each month? Yeah, our total amount has definitely gone up. We opened, we were pretty full, but we've added some bookshelves since then. We had about, about 16,000 in the beginning. We're at about 25000 now, but the most important thing for us is that as we've grown our customer base, we sell a lot of books every week, so we're adding in about 1500 to 2000 books every week, so we get compliments all the time of people coming in. We have a lot of weekly people that come in that say the store is a different store every week, and they're able to find new things, so that's what we want to be. We want to be a smaller store, but we're a mighty store, and that we have a really good revolving inventory. Again, David Jacobs with us this morning. How did you come up with the name? Where did that come from? Well, um, I was just thinking I want to have a store that has a very warm name because um, uh, we do really like kids reading and family kind of being centered on reading is a good thing for the family. And it's a very uh, positive thing. So we wanted a name that evoked both happiness and a positive feel and positive vibe. And that's why we decided the Happy Book Stack would be probably a good name for us. And um, one good thing, too, is oftentimes people leave our store. They do have a stack of books as well. So it, very, it goes very well with the name, I think. You guys get so many new books every single month. And I know you get a huge variety of books fiction being one of them. Yes, yes, we've really tried to expand our fiction. We have a bunch of different ways that we source books affordably, so we try to pass that on to our customers. So we've had plenty and plenty of people come in and really weekly, a lot of very avid readers that might buy 20 to 30 books from us every month. Uh, we started with about five bookshelves of popular fiction. We're up to about 25 right now. So we, we keep a few thousand books in stock. And like I said, we add hundreds to our popular fiction every week. We're probably selling about 500 books in our popular fiction a week. So we're adding at least that many. And then a kid section. You've got a lot of kids books too. Yes. And it's kind of it's laid out by age, too. So you walk in our store, you take the first left turn, you have your books for very, very young readers. And it goes up from there all the way to young adult. And we have two full aisles of that, thousands and thousands of books, everything you can need to get your kids started reading and, and help them fall in love with reading. And then what else do you have there? Because there's all different types of readers who are really interested in particular genres. So so what else have you got? Yeah, we have sci-fi, fantasy, romance we keep romance to PG because we kind of go for our family environment and family feel. Uh, we have mystery. And we have a lot of uh, good nonfiction, whether that's biography or Civil War history, even history pertaining to Tennessee. If somebody called you and said, you know, I, I'm looking for an old Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys series, are, are you able to go out there and find some of those old book series? Yes. Most of the time we have at least 50 of those books on hand of either one of those. And we have many people coming in to fill in their old sets of Nancy Drew because most often it's very easy to find one through five, harder to find those later numbers. So we bring those in every week just to kind of keep our customers going. And there's a lot of old book sets that people I'm sure wish they could get their hands on again that they may remember as a kid, as a teen or a young adult. 
and they would love to have that collection back one day. So you can help them with that. We definitely can. And one other thing that's been fun is that we have a lot of book decor and just older books from the 19th and 18th century. People come in and, and buy every week, and we price those really low. Uh, unless they're worth something online, would sell them online. But we have a lot of really good old books that look great for the shelf between 3 and $5. People have been loving buying those. We also have a really good trade-in program. Oh, uh, yes, we do have a really awesome trade program. We have dozens of people coming every, every week bringing in all sorts of books. And usually we can get it done while they shop. Uh, you, can bring in, you can bring in up to four boxes at a time. And typically we get it done while you, while you shop. And you can kind of get in and get out and use that credit that you get from your books that very same day. I know you mentioned one time before something about albums, like record albums. Is that something else that you're going to start focusing on? Yes, yes. We, we try to keep a lot of good popular titles in the store right now. Definitely an area where we're going to continue to expand. But we get in uh, things from Elton John to, uh, to Prince to uh, even more modern people. Uh, but we try to do that for the college students and the older people alike. They both tend to love that. Records have definitely seen a comeback over the years, and they sound different than CDs or MP3s. They've got a little more depth to them. That's right. That's right for sure. And for the first time in about 20 years, records actually outsold CDs last year. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely making a comeback. And I think it comes from the young people getting into them, too. Oftentimes, a family will come in and the parents will walk past the records and the young people jump right to them. And how many records do you have there now, the Happy Book Stack? You know, we try to keep around 60. Some weeks we really sell a lot and we get down to 20, but we always try to replenish and we try to keep a really in-demand inventory. Anybody out there listening, how would you describe your location if you were telling them how to get to you? Yeah, so we're right off of Middle Tennessee. Whether you're going on Church Street, you turn left on the Middle Tennessee, left on the Samsonite. And really the big marker for us is we're right behind the driver's license testing center, the, the DMV. David, what are the hours at the Happy Book Stack? We're open Tuesday to Friday from 9 to 6 p.m., Saturday from 9 to 5, and Sunday from 9 to 4. As always, people can find you on social media simply by searching the Happy Book Stack and send you a question, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, so we get lots of questions every day. We try to have a post every day that we're open. We show our incoming items. It's very fun for people. We get lots of request to set back some books and we're happy to do that for you too again we've been talking with david jacobs with the happy book stack right here in murfreesboro right now that time 8 39 on this friday morning today the 24th of march coming up in just a minute we'll hear just a few highlights of murfreesboro mayor shane mcfarlane where he talks about the state of the city talks about some things that occurred over the last year and what's to come We'll learn more about that in just a second, right after this short break on WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. 
That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarland recently discussed the city's 2022 major accomplishments in his latest State of the City. And he did it in the form of an interview or a discussion with Public Information Officer Mike Browning, who's with the city of Murfreesboro. Uh, this is just a, a few of the highlights from that interview. Yes, you're welcome. It's good to have you. A community investment trust was one of the big things, and that took a lot of work in the legal department. Um, there was some forethought with that. First sure. of all, I mean, someone had to think through the idea of we're going to sell our electric distribution system so that we can have a long-term investment for the city. Yeah, you know, we made that decision three years ago um, to, to sell MED. We already had such a great partner in our community with Middle Tennessee Electric, they're one of our oldest um, corporate partners in Murfreesboro, based here in Murfreesboro. They serve all, you know, all over the, the mid-state. And so it was just a, it was a great fit to be able to make that decision. And the benefits that, that have transpired since that's happened, we set up a, a big trust and that big trust, the, the proceeds that are going to come in, it's, a, it's over $300 million just in the net proceeds. Now, what we're hoping, much like our pension, that will grow. And what we've been able to do is outside of that other trust, we've set up a community investment trust. And that trust is set up to where we can help a lot of our service providers in the city that you know deal with homelessness, that deal with um, things, different things with children like CASA, I mean, all these different organizations. So we set up, not only do we set up our community investment trust to manage the money, we set up another uh, foundation group that actually will divest some of those funds to community partners. So I think 15 years from now, I, I mean, my goal, clearly I'm not going to be mayor in 15 years. Um, I think the council is going to sit up and see this annuity that's being paid every year that benefits the taxpayers so that we don't have to have the discussions about raising taxes but also it invests our community partners who do so much uh, in the city of Murfreesboro. It's definitely an accomplishment a lot of references have been made to the community uh, the, the Christie Houston Foundation mm -hmm. the community foundation that invest within the community and so when you think of it like that that's something that's going to benefit generations uh, when we're gone there are people still benefiting from that. Well, I put it this way, the city, the Murfreesboro Electric Department, the city was getting about $3 million a year in payment in lieu of taxes. That number now could triple on what the city's getting, but just based on the annuity and, and the major part with that, the liability of running an electric department is no longer there. And that means that we don't have to borrow money to build, you know, office buildings, infrastructure and, and those funds can just be set aside as almost a savings account for the taxpayer of Murfreesboro. That's a big deal. Um, and so people understand some money was set aside a small amount like three or four million to, to, to invest in some projects I think like uh, the West Park and, and roads. 
but then decisions will be made going forward. But ultimately, those two committees, the one on strategic mm -hmm. partnerships and the other on how uh, the funds are invested, will end up going to the council and the council will make the final decision. Yeah, a, a, a little different. There was a little more than three or four million that was set aside for projects. You know, what we, what we did, we set aside money for West Park. Um, that was about five million that we set aside. We had already set aside three or four million. So we've got about eight or nine million for West Park now that we don't have to borrow. And then we took the re we took about 15 million that we've set aside for road projects. And so those road pro projects include Old Fort Parkway, the bridge um, over Stones River, the bridge over 24. And, and what we can do with that money is typically TDOT will match our money anywhere three or four times. We conservatively figured that just we could leverage our money we could double it. So what we're going to be able to do is take that money and double that to be able to, to push those road projects along. And so where that benefits the taxpayer, and, and all of us know this from running our own homes, anytime that we don't have to borrow money, that's a good thing. And so this, what this has allowed us to do is not only push projects through quicker, it's allowed us to be able to do that and not, bar not borrow money. But at the same time, one of the big concerns was that we would sell this asset in, in typical political style, we were gonna spend the money as fast as we could. And what we have put in place is we have said that future councils can never spend into the principle of that money. And without going to a referendum or going back to the state of Tennessee and amending our charter, so it really has protected that money that, you know, 50 years from now, our kids' kids will be able to know that this is set aside in Murfreesboro to be able to benefit the taxpayer. And the way you had to do it by going to the legislature and get approval for the change of the charter, I mean, these are things that, that implemented this kind of in stone. Yes. You know, it's yeah. going to be hard to change it again. Yeah, I mean, right? very rarely will you see local government go to the state and say, hey, we want you we want to put more control on us, you know. And, and I think that's what we did as a council, that we really said we want to make sure that if a future council comes in, and maybe they have a different opinion with that money, that they can spend the, the dividends that come off of it. They can change how they want to spend that. But without truly going to a referendum inside the city, that money cannot be touched. And, and that's what we really felt like was the best way to not only protect the taxpayer, but to protect the city uh, moving forward. Let's talk about redeveloping downtown. Uh, there's this thought that you can't have a vibrant downtown without having a fully vibrant city. And so sure. even though the city of Murfreesboro is moving west, and some might argue that maybe the center of town is closer to I-24 than it is to downtown, you and others probably feel like we still need to redevelop downtown so it is the downtown we want to have. Yeah. you know, I've. I've had my business downtown since 2008, and you look at the people that are on council, um, the majority of us work downtown. You know, Councilman Wright, um, Councilman Averwater, of course, Councilman Shacklett, his photography business has been on the square for a number of years, well, I mean, as long as I can remember. So we all have a heart for the downtown, and it, I think if you look over the last 10 years, what has happened specifically with real estate and with people wanting to come downtown, it, it's, it's really flipped um, to where downtown property is some of the hardest in Murfreesboro to find. You know, I think 
the, the development is extremely important, but one of the things that, and it's tough for people who've lived in Murfreesboro all their lives to really grasp this, but people wanna live downtown. And the biggest challenge that we have right now, there, there are very few rooftops downtown where people, and when I say the downtown proper, you know, I'm talking about the square and maybe a couple of blocks off the square. You just don't have a lot of opportunity for people to be able to live. Uh, there and I think people want to do that now. They want to live where they can walk. They want to live where they can walk to their restaurants. Maybe you know be outside more. And so I think that's what we're we're really trying to focus on. And you know, my at my heart, I appreciate all the businesses businesses in Murfreesboro. And so I, you know I, I get frustrated when people are saying, you know, you should do a better job attracting national headquarters to come to Murfreesboro. And and I'm like, well, we have lots of national headquarters in Murfreesboro. Every small business that is based here has their headquarters here. And so if you were to add up all the people in our community that are employed by small business owners, it greatly outpaces all of the other business, the large businesses. Amazon. Sure. Uh, General Mills. So there are larger companies here. Absolutely. And we are thankful for our partners. But at the same time, I mean, the true small business owner, we don't have the resources that you know, a public company has. And so most of those businesses, if you look that are downtown, they're not chain restaurants. Those are all, you know, like Sean and Christy Hackinson with the alley. You know, you, you look at all of these different businesses and they're, they're families, they're small business owners. And so I think continuing to make sure that we invest back in the downtown, it creates a vibrant small business economy, which, you know, gives that different um, niche that we, we can have in Murphy's like last night my wife and I went and ate at the alley and it's always busy yeah and yeah. so you know it's we typically are there every Thursday night after we have a council meeting we just go sit and, and have dinner and so it's so cool to be able to frequent those small businesses and, and look I'm not getting paid by the alley for advertising I think there's lots of places that we can go visit downtown but if we don't have a vibrant and a safe downtown um, a lot of that Phil and Murfreesboro goes away. There's a number of projects that have been discussed for a number of years, but they're real close to really being becoming visual. Yeah. The daylighting of Town Creek and then the realignment of Front Street. So yes. let's talk about those. Yes, yeah, so Town Creek has been something that we've talked about all the way going back to 2010. Um, and that's where the corner of Church Street and Broad Street, um, there were some older businesses there. And, you know, back in the 70s, the, the, to talk about how things have changed in the 70s, things were, hey, if there's a creek or if there's some kind of waterway, you want to close it off, pipe it in concrete, and no one wants to see it. And then, you know, fast forward 50 years, some of those structures start failing and you, know, you have to go in and dig everything up and you have to replace it. So we have, uh, as a council, made the decision that we're really daylighting Town Creek an old concrete structure that we can bring back to where it's actually something that is is fun and, and it also is is a not an eyesore but more of a an amenity to the downtown. And it will become like a park. It is. It's gonna be a park almost like a greenway through the down the Broad Street area and then, you know, we've seen several plans come to the city council about some of the city property on Broad Street, a revitalization there with uh, some retail space some residential space, a boutique hotel, um, some some office space. So I think you're really going to see this whole downtown corridor over the next you know ten or twelve years will will 
improve. You know, we, we had the bottom study and, and I think it was very beneficial. But one of the things that the, the bottom study just hasn't moved and we haven't been able to attract people to invest in that area. And I think one of the main reasons is because there's no one who lives in that area. And so we've got to be able to mix, you know, people activity coming in with people living downtown. But we've got to be able to mesh that with traffic and all the other things that, that come along. Of course, an example, if you look to Nashville, is like the Gulch. It was a warehouse district yeah. with railroads going through it. And then you, you just, someone starts doing something yes. and then it all builds on itself. Yeah, I mean, it's a great example. Last Friday night, um, we went, and I say we, my wife and I went down and we wanted to go see Adam Sandler. And so we just made this, we just said, hey, we're going to stay down in the Gulch area. And so we stayed there for the night, went to a small restaurant, had dinner, and we walked everywhere. And you start looking around that whole area and you look at the, the, um, the different complexes that are there where people live and people are out walking their dogs. And I'm not saying that we want to turn downtown Murfreesboro into Nashville, but I do think that there is the ability to be able to provide some really cool different spots where you know as you retire you may want to live downtown so it becomes a destination yeah and it is a nashville company right that wants to invest Correct. in this broad street development where is that at yeah. is it close to becoming well i think you know a lot of those things were are, are worked on at the administration and the staff level and then they're brought to to us we met on that and it was presented to us about six or eight months ago and we had a lot of different feedback that the council you know, um, uh, you know, Mike, I think one of the things, just like, you know, the T word taxes, we don't like to use that word. The A word doesn't like, that's apartments or not. Um, you know, people don't like to hear the apartment word. And, and I would agree that I think if I could go back 25 years ago and, and I had my magic wand, I think we would have made some different decisions regarding apartments in the Mur in Murfreesboro and more to not have them stretched out all over on the outskirts of the city. Right now that time, 8.55, you're listening to a little bit of Murfreesboro Mayor Shane McFarland discussing some of the changes the city saw in 2022 and some of the changes that are to come. You can hear that and watch that entire interview on our website at WGNSRadio.com. And interviewing the mayor was Public Information Officer Mike Browning with the City of Murfreesboro. That time right now, again, 8.55. More news and information is coming up, including some of the top stories of the day and of this past week. We'll see a few spotty rain showers possible late this afternoon. Partial sunshine develops a high in the upper 70s. Tonight, chance for showers and thunderstorms, cloudy and alone near 60. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 66. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. Rising interest rates are making the news, but what if you need a new car to get to work? At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. And we could help you get a break from your interest rate when purchasing anything that rolls or floats. This includes newer used autos, boats, RVs, motorcycles, and more. But hurry, this limited time offer ends soon. You can learn more or apply online at heritagesouth.org. Terms and conditions apply. 
insured by NCUA. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now it is 8.57. Again, you're tuned to WGNS. Well, one of the news stories that we reported this week, the National Transportation Safety Board has released the final crash report from their investigation into a Rutherford County plane crash that occurred in 2021, killing diet guru Gwen Shamblin Laura, her husband Joe, along with several other Remnant Fellowship Church members. Remnant Fellowship Church is a church in Brentwood. The small jet that they were on was headed towards West Palm Beach, Florida, when the crash occurred in Smyrna on May 29th, just after 10 a.m., a man fishing on the lake told authorities he saw the airplane nosedive towards the water. Records show the crash happened directly after takeoff from the Smyrna-Rutherford County Airport. Again, this was back in 2021. Now, killed in the accident were Joe and Gwen Laura, Jonathan and Jessica Walters, David and Jennifer Martin, and Brandon Hanna. Quinn Shamblin's husband, Joe, was the one who was believed to be piloting the twin-engine jet airplane. He became disoriented. And because of that, the NTSB details show that he likely misperceived altitude and acceleration, thus becoming spatially disoriented. The NTSB determined that the probable cause of the accident to be the pilot's loss of airplane control during climb due to spatial disorientation again that crash happened again may 9th may 29th rather 2021 the analysis stated and i quote post-accident examination of the recovered wreckage in both engines revealed no evidence of any pre-impact mechanical malfunctions or failures that would have caused or precluded normal operation Records from the FAA show the multi-engine Cessna 501 was registered to JL and GL Productions LP in Brentwood, Tennessee. The FAA issued the certificate of the plane on March 2nd of 2020, and that certificate was set to expire on March 31st of 2027. You can read more details, more in-depth details, and see the actual report from the NTSB on our website. It's all at WGNSRadio.com, and that's where you'll find that story and many others as well. Time right now, 9 o'clock. This is WGNS.